following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to Hats, Tats, and Stats Podcast with your host, EZD, Derek Jaws, Big Diesel, Nick Yelich, T-Wave, Taylor Sekaturski, and Austin Kelm, the Stat Man. What's going on, everybody, and Happy New Year, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hats, Tats, and Stats, or Hats, Stats, Tats, Mats, Pats, Katie Cats, whatever Austin called it that one time. That's going to be a running joke forever and for always. I am here with Austin on the first episode of the new year. Statman, what's going on, buddy? Good, buddy. How are you? Listen, I like to eat things by the bay and make things out of clay. What do you say? I just may. You don't know. Listen, my my man has a way with words a little bit different than I do, but... uh, you know, we are here, we are doing it, and the NFL season is over. It is now NFL playoff time, and I am fired up. As you should be, man. The Bills are in the postseason. Not only again. are the Bills not right. only are not only are the Bills in the postseason, not only are the Bills in the postseason again, but the Bills are currently probably the hottest team going into the playoffs. Uh, dude, they are muy and fuego. They, they are just uh, tearing it up in all facets. Offense, defense, special teams, they are rolling right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the, the, two, uh, the two squads on the bye, on bye here, and the, the Chiefs had a very pedestrian, almost limped into the one seed. Um, you know, they, they have not been playing great. You know, I say that, they could come out on absolute fire in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, you know, they, the Steelers were the hottest team in football for a long time and they limped to the end. You know, the, the Browns have looked like world beaters one week and then looked like they lost to the Jets the next. The Ravens and the Titans are hot and cold all day. The Colts are hot and cold all day. The Rams and the Seahawks are hot and cold all day. The Bucks are hot and cold all day. Washington won the NFC East, and it's all you need to know about them. Like the the <laughs> Saints look like world beaters, but then lose to the to the Eagles and the Bears are the Bears with Mitch Trubisky in a playoff game. Who knows what's going to happen? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, and simply, I mean, all all you need to know about the Bills is that you know they've they've won their last six games, and then the last three games they beat their opponents by twenty five or more points. I mean, yeah. so not only did they win, they won handedly in those games. I mean, they're, they're the hail Murray away from nine in a row. Uh, right. Exactly. Like we're, we're talking about a team that has played incredibly well. And if you look at the, the, the games that they faltered this year, the, you look at the, the Titans game, they couldn't hard prep for the Titans until two days before that game. Mm-hmm. And then you go in after that on, you know, on a short turnaround to play, one of the best teams in football who was playing as good as they've played all year in back-to-back weeks. Like, so it's not like you're going like, Oh, we're low key prepping for the Titans or the Jags. No, we're prepping for two of the like two playoff teams back-to-back and one of them's the best team in football, all, yep. like for the, for the duration of the season. Um, you know, and we faltered through there and then the Hale Murray, like we, we are the Hale Murray away <clears throat> from being 14 and two. Yep. And, and you know, what's fantastic is, is watching this team rebound in such a positive way. Cause I mean, I think everybody in Buffalo was de- just deflated and defeated after that, the 50 yard vomit into that game. Um, I heard a lot of, we'll just call them bandwagon fans. A lot of people jumping off the bandwagon. Oh, it's so Buffalo. It was so typical. That was just, Oh, I've been seeing that stuff like that for 25 years. Like just a lot of negativity after the game. And 
And I, I, I don't think the Bills could have responded any better than they did. Nope. After that. I mean, it's just, it's been incredible. I mean, and I've, I've been saying this for a couple of years now, like it, since McDermott took over, it feels different and it felt a little bit different year one and they overachieved by breaking the drought, making the playoffs, talk about backdooring into it. And then the next year we took a step back and a lot of people wanted to jump off the bandwagon there because we made the playoffs the year before. How did we miss them this year? Well, because we shouldn't have made them last year. This was what we like kind of expected year one. We are on pace a little bit better than on pace for year two, but the entire way it feels different. We never felt out of anything. We never felt completely defeated by anything. And the longer these guys have been at the helm, the more true that's become is it just doesn't feel like the same old bills because they're not, you know, the, the same old bills would have been, would have had that, you know, would have had that rough, that rough patch there where the, you know, we get handed a, a bad loss. Like, and, and that's what that was. That was a bad loss to the Titans. And then we come back and we lose not handily, but we, we did not play well against the chiefs. You know, and you, you know, you're losing, you know, missing a couple of players in there, here and there, whatever. Every team's dealt with it. Every team has to deal with it. The same old Bills, that would have been the end of the season. Those back to back L's would have put us on a downward spiral to crash and burn. And what happened? We came out and we won. And we won. And we should have won had it not been for Hail Murray. And then we won and we won and we won and we won and we won. Then we dominated, then we dominated, then we dominated. And the last, the, like the last game of the year, a, a little bit of a pedestrian start, which watching the start of week 17, it was a very bland, very boring, very vanilla offense. Um, and, you know, then we decided like, okay, like we wanted to get our starters in a rhythm. This isn't the rhythm we wanted. Let's open up the playbook a hair. Let's open this up. We did. And we took a, a, a solid lead into the, into the, um, into the locker room because our defense was smothering. And then we turn around and our backups come out and Matt Barkley looks like a world beater against the dolphins vaunted defense. You know, and for, and for, a team that is not always obviously nobody's known for their backups, but I mean, I didn't have a lot of faith. I'm being totally honest. I thought Barkley was going to come in and I was like, Oh boy, I won't hold my breath here. You know what I mean? If that makes me a naysayer, I guess it does. But I was not, uh, when we pulled the starters, I did not know how that was going to go. Um, but you, like you said, they came out and everybody did well. And the dolphins did not look like a playoff team in that game. No, they struggled on every aspect of the ball. And, uh, I, I get why they're not there. I, you know what I mean? It's, I understand. I mean, and we're, we're talking about a team and we, we talked about it a little bit last mm-hmm. week um, when we had our super show with, you know, the, the Yelich boys and Taylor and it, that one may have gotten a little muddled the conversation, got a little, little distracting at times, but like, that's never happened on no, the show. No, no. But you know, we, we've talked about it from, you know, I've, I've been screaming it since Tua took over and they've been well, like people have been trying to crown him the best quarterback in the AFC East. Um, Tua is not at least right now as good as people thought he was. And I don't think he's half as good as people thought he was. 
he was very, very susceptible. And like, the fact that they had to lean on him for an entire game because Fitzmagic was out with the COVID, like, showed you who he was. I mean, you, you took the safety net out and the dude couldn't get it done. And when he had to make throws, it wasn't just, oh, our defense took had four turnovers and nine sacks in a game and our special teams was, you know, keeping us short fields and advantageous starting points. And we can just, like, they're not scoring, so we can chip, 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 chip and, and take what we need. Well, guess what? You're not chip, chip, chipping against this defense and – we're going to make you try to make plays and, you know, to a turn the ball over turned into the starting quarterback over there. <laughs> you know what though? And, and I think as much as I hope that he's not good because you share a division with Buffalo and he can suck for the next five years and then they go and look for the next guy. Um, but realistically, I think he played like a rookie quarterback. I think we, we set the bar so high nowadays that you need to come out and be like Justin Herbert. You need to come out and be like Joe Burrow. Like if you're not good from the get go, when you went to the NFL, um, then you're a waste of time. And I just don't think that's the the right process for that. I mean, look at Josh Allen. If we based everything off of year one, we would have moved on already. And thank God we didn't do that. You know what I mean? So I think I wouldn't put too much stock into his first year when everybody thought they were going to be rebuilding and they would have a, a top five pick, which ironically they do, but it's the Texans that they have. Um, oh. But they should have had, they should have two top five picks, which I'm very happy that they don't. Uh, we did not need that in the division. Um, but yeah, that they performed well outside what anybody expected. And I think he did what you would expect a rookie quarterback to do. Yeah. You know, and I, I believe I, I mean, just looking through his stats here, you know, um, and this will be the last thing we say about things in the past, because we said we weren't going to talk about this, but like, you know, ever forget his, happened to me his, his first week, 12 for 22, which is a 54% completion for 93 yards and a touchdown in a 28 to 17 win 20 for 28 for 248 and two in a 34, 31 win, uh, 29, 21 win against, I mean, this was, so this goes Rams Cardinals chargers 29 for uh, 29, 21 win. he went 15 for 25 for 169 and two, then he loses to Denver going 11 for 20 for 83 and one. Uh, he beats Cincinnati 19 to seven by going 26 for 39 for 296 and one. Loses to Kansas City 33 to 27, going 28 for 48 for 316 and two. Uh, two and one, I should say. Then New England, he wins, but goes 22 for 26 for 145 and a pick. Then wins a tight one with the Raiders 17 for 22 for 94 and one. And he, he gets the win because he started, but Fitz won that football game. Correct. And then against the bills, he had, he posts his, his highest yardage <clears throat> total to date with 361 yards by going 35 for 58 for a, and a touchdown in three picks. Like I, those are, numbers that you expect from anybody who throws the ball 58 times. Like I said, I, I agree with you. I mean, and when Mike Kosicki is your primary receiving option and, and Parker's fine and Preston Williams is, is what Preston Williams is, but I mean, it's they're they're not ready to win right now in three years. We'll talk, but we'll see what happens because the bills are going to get better in those three years as well. So I, I look forward to those matchups. 
Like it yeah. does odds. <laughs> yeah, I, no, no kidding. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens in the rest of our division going forward. Uh, rumor has it that you know, reports came out of New England that Cam's time up there is done. Um, you know, so that's you know the fact that they're still looking for a quarterback is great. Uh, the fact that they don't have one of the top picks of the draft is also great. Thank you for winning a couple meaningless ones there throughout throughout the the year, and you know we'll see you next year when we look to sweep the division for back to back years. Yep. Which I don't remember the last time that's happened. It's got to yeah. be got to be a whole long time ago. Yeah, I don't I don't even feel like googling it. I'll, we're going <laughs> to save that for a topic of conversation at a different time. But uh, looking <laughs> the forward, playoffs, the playoffs, playoffs. it's playoff playoffs. time. We're talking right. playoffs, and we don't have to wait to win a game because we won thirteen of them. We're going to start off with the Bills going, going, going nowhere, staying home, hosting a playoff game. Thanks a against, lot, COVID. Against the Colts, and this this game has a lot has a lot of interesting twists and quirks to it. Uh, one of the main ones being it is Frank Reich's return to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not his first. It's definitely not his first return, but returning to Buffalo in the playoffs with his new team that he is the head coach of. And so that's interesting. Um, you know, you've got the, the, the ageless wonder that just has all the kids in the world who, you know, on, on one end, you have Phillip Rivers in Buffalo. Don't look up those stats. If you're a Bills fan, you don't want to see them. But you also have Phillip Rivers in, De- in December or January in playoffs. Look up those stats. You want to see them like um, there's a reason he's never been to one, let alone one, one. <laughs> yeah. Like the dude doesn't do well in the playoffs, but he does really well in Buffalo. I, like interesting things like, you know, at the start of the year, if you told me that I had to win a football game and a big chunk of that was going to be stopping Jonathan Taylor, I would have been worried the way our defense has turned around with the addition of Matt Milano coming back. Um, Oh, you know, Trey, Trey Edmonds, as long as he keeps his feet moving and run, you know, keeps he Edmonds likes to stop his feet and at the same time over pursue, which is the weirdest problem in the planet because you get beat by stopping your feet, but somehow you're too deep on the play. I I don't understand how you work it, but (laughs) it seems like it defies physics, but we're not sure. You know, and then eight like the 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 turnaround of AJ Klein this year has been incredible. Yeah, you know what? So I mean, we say the turnaround, and, and so he's been all over. He's been running. He's more comfortable in the defense. He's been flying. Um, I'm not super happy. I, I'm me personally. I'm not a big fan of our linebacker core outside of Matt Milano. Um, I think Milano is a, as a playmaker. He is all over the field. He forces fumbles, gets interceptions. He's maybe one of the best, if not the best, coverage linebacker in football. Um, I think he's very, very underrated um, as a player. And we're left with Edmonds and Klein. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of either one of those guys. Um, They remind me a lot of – so Klein reminds me a lot of Paul Puzlesny. You know, a guy who was here uh, many years, a couple decades ago, and was from linebacker U, and he had no neck, and he was just this huge guy, thumping linebacker. But Puzlesny was terrible in coverage. And he would allow a catch and then make a tackle. So, you know, people go, well, he had 157 tackles in a season. Well, yeah, because he allowed 70 catches and then tackled the guy immediately after. You know what I mean? So, 
So to look at that, I don't know. I'm well, just... and the the difference there is uh, Paul Puzlesny was a middle linebacker, and he did he did get a lot of tackles by you know plugging the hole, and right? Defaulting going, to your position, right? Um, you know, and, and, and so at the start of what the Bills were doing with AJ Klein is AJ Klein is Milano's was Milano's backup, right? Now they realized he wasn't good in coverage. And you don't they, say. they stopped having him do that. And they started. So if you, if you notice, if you go back through and look, what they started doing was running the same defensive scheme that Edmonds and Milano ran together, which made Edmonds look good and Milano look good because it's one of Milano's strengths. Milano is also an underrated pass rusher. If you haven't noticed since he's been back. Right. But like they started, they started with Klein and coverage and Edmonds, you know, being a run stopper and plugging the hole and being a middle linebacker, the, the middle linebacker you expect. And then they realized that Klein, like that, that's a disadvantage for us. So they started letting Klein rush more and Edmonds cover more and Edmonds is better in coverage than Klein is. He's far, far more athletic, far more athletic. Yes. And they're, so they used that athletic ability to put him in, put both of them in a better spot to succeed. Now that you have Milano back, and Klein has kind of come into his own, you can see any combination of Edmonds and Milano in coverage or Edmonds in coverage and Milano and uh, Klein rushing. Like, and he, he has, Klein has kind of developed into that Lorenzo Alexander position that we didn't have at the start of the year. And with Milano being back, you know, the other part of, you know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is he played most of this season injured. It middle linebacker cannot be an easy position to play with a bum shoulder. It can't be. No, for sure. And you know, the other, the other part of it is we lost our main two run stuffers in star Latulier opting out and Jordan Phillips going to Arizona. So when you lose the two biggest bodies you have up the middle, you know, what, when, when did our defense start to turn around when we realized that Justin Zimmer could play, solid against the run when Harrison Phillips came back and was actually full tilt healthy from his AFC or his ACL injury last year, you know, Ed Oliver's been playing hungry. Like, you know, the middle of our defense has shored up, which has made our linebacking core look better. Our our linebacking core with, you know, this is a, a testament to our, our coaching and our schemes has figured out how to use the guys we have in the best possible way. And our defense has looked a lot better. I'll be honest with you. I like, I like Edmonds. I really do a healthy Edmonds. Again, he keeps his feet moving. We're going to be in good shape. You know, AJ Klein rushing the passer and helping in run support. I'm all for it. You know, these, these guys have done fantastic. And I, I was one of the biggest AJ Klein, you know, critics early on, you know, but I'm also the guy that sits there and people say, you know, I, I, I was arguing back and forth with a coworker of mine about it. And he's like, you know, uh, you know, we should cut AJ Klein for who? Like, don't tell me what you think we should do without having an answer. Because right. if, there was if there's answer, no solution, right, exactly. Like, so what was the answer? Like, there's there's nobody better out there right now that we're going to get without selling the farm, which if you haven't noticed, that's not our MO. Um, you know, there's nobody that we're going to go get that's going to fill that spot. So the answer is find a way to make that guy useful. And if you look at the way we're running our defense, our backups went in the other day and they will look like monsters. Like, we figured something out with the personnel we have that works. So I'm all for it. I mean, would it be nice to have um, 
who's it, Butker and Darius Leonard? Sure. But I'm good with where we're at because we, it's been working. <laughs> like, I was saying, and, it, and it's one of my favorite lines from the movie Miracle is he goes, you know, there's a lot of good hockey players out there you haven't selected. He goes, and I'm not looking for the best ones. He goes, I'm looking for the right ones. And that really and, speaks volumes about what we have. I think we have a lot of the right players at the right time. You know, and I, that, that line itself sounds like Sean, something Sean McDermott. I can see it coming out of Sean's face. <laughs> yeah, like right. that's, that's his MO. I don't want the best guys. I want the right guys. Like again, every time a, you know, a big, a big free agent hits the market. Why didn't we go get uh, Yannick Ngakwe or Ngoku or however the hell you say his last name? No, well, you had it right. Because your gut. yeah, because McDermott doesn't want a dude that fights his own teammates after, te- after games. Right. That's not his style. You know, Josh Norman, nine, no, not nine years ago, five years ago, doesn't fit this team. Josh Norman now is a, is one of the dudes like, you know, the, uh, that's, it's, it's about the right people in the right places. You know, I mean, and you can, you can look all over the place, like on paper last year, the Browns should have been world beaters, but they didn't have, they had a lot of really good players, but they didn't necessarily have the right players or they didn't have the right coach in place to, to hone those guys into a conglomerate ball of cohesive playing. And I mean, no true testament has, to that has been OBJ getting hurt and the Browns kind of turning their season around. Right. And you know, and that really, and that go at that's, that's what it is right there. It's fostering an environment that's a positive environment where your teammates pick each other up, not put each other down for personal gain. You know what I mean? If you talk to anybody in Minnesota about Stefan Diggs, it's good luck with that Buffalo. That guy's a joke. He does nothing but whine, cry, and complain. Uh, he's a prima donna receiver like all of them are. Um, I don't think we've seen even a hint of that guy. I don't know who that guy is. You yeah. know what I mean? We have not seen that Stefan Diggs at all. I mean, early and even so much so early in the year, it was one of the early games. Like Allen was trying to feed him the ball, and he came off after one of our – league leading <clears throat> low average punts um, and, and looked at like got on the phone to Dable and said, here's how we can get Beasley and Brown involved. Like they're keying on me. Let's get these two going. It'll open things up. And guess what? We opened it up in the second half and we won a football game. Like that doesn't sound like the dude that everyone from Minnesota sounded said I was getting. You know what's you know what's funny is uh, Dable had a post game uh, press conference and it's one of my favorite stories about this Bills team was that that happened that Diggs got on the little telephone and called Dable and said hey listen like you were, we're forcing me the ball like get these guys the ball and then the second half we started throwing to Beasley and Brownmore and then towards the middle of the fourth quarter when we were in a close game Beasley called Dable and goes what do you feed me the ball for we need to find ways to get Stephon Diggs the ball like so I just found that funny that Dable got two separate phone calls from two different wide receivers saying that you need to give the other guy the ball at different times in the game, which I think is just awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, just look at the, the, the banner after the game on, on seven, uh, week 17, which if you don't, you know, if you don't follow the bills on social media or you don't haven't seen it after every win, there's a player or two or five or 12 that hold a banner up for a picture for social media. And the last one from week 17 is who has more fun than the Buffalo bills. And if you watch these dudes, this is what I think what makes us one of the most dangerous teams in the playoffs. And one of the hottest teams in football right now is these dudes love to play. They love to play with and for each other. And, you know, 
for years, we heard, you know, it's about the culture, it's about the process. And so much so that local media around here, the guys on GR, you know, show up in the Bulldog, those guys, like, oh, all McDermott does is talk about the process and sit there and clap. And at some point, blah, 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 you need talent, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, man, you need, you need the right culture first. And guess what? We got the right culture. We got the right dudes in place. And, oh, guess what? Now we're pretty, we got some pretty talented players on the team. And they are tearing it up. And you watch these dudes and nobody is on the field having more fun than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, and I understand the argument of you need talented players. And I'm certainly not going to say you can win with an untalented roster. But if if talent was everything, then like you said, the Browns should have won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. But they didn't. Or, or, or Stafford would have a Super Bowl win at some point in his career. I mean, he had Calvin Johnson. He, I mean, it's not like he's never had any talent in his career. Never won. Phillip Rivers. Had LT, Darren Sproles, Michael Turner, Keenan Allen, no Super Bowls. Antonio Gates. <laughs> right. So I'm saying maybe the greatest tight end of all time. Like at some point, yes, I get you need to have talent, but you got to put it together in a way that wins football games. Cause if you just got a bunch of individuals out there playing, you're never going to win a game. Right. You know, and the, the difference between OBJ and Diggs. OBJ, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Diggs, hey, they're keying on me. Get these other dudes involved. Let, like, let's let's get the offense moving here. Like, let's make them think about other people. Like, oh, I was I was told by countless people that I would be hearing Diggs by week nine scream about how Josh Allen's the worst quarterback in the league. Uh, I'm pretty sure that dude's ready to buy Josh Allen a car. You know what's really funny is that you know uh, Jefferson, the rookie from Minnesota, they they got they got him on a hot mic after Kirk Cousins overthrew him in an end zone going, damn it, Kurt. <laughs> Which I just think is really funny. That like Stefan Diggs is the problem, but apparently Kirk Cousins can't make any wide receiver happy. So go figure. Right. And I mean, and we're talking about the like a dude who broke rushing receiver uh, rookie receiving records this year. So mm-hmm. yep. Anytime your name goes in front of Randy Moss's on this all-time stat list, you're probably doing okay. You're probably yeah. all right. Yeah, and and it, it's funny because people, you know. Oh, like we, we could have got Jefferson in that spot because they used our pick to do it. And it's like, I would, I would still take digs because you know what, so Jeff- I, like Je- Jefferson's good. Don't get me wrong, but he also has Adam Thielen on the other side of him. And like, yes, he would have had John Brown. He would have Beasley with him, but is he as polished as Diggs is? Is he as just, I'm sorry, Stefan Diggs right now to me is the second best receiver in football. Like talent wise across the board, he is the second best, second best guy in the game, second only to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, D Hop's incredible as well, and I think it all depends on what type of offense you run and what you're trying to do. And uh, when comparing them, the, I think the thing that Hopkins does that Diggs doesn't that separates them is his size and over the middle ability. Correct. No big, big body receiver, hundred percent. I mean, Diggs right. six foot, hundred ninety. That's not very big. You know, and, and Hopkins also has those size, you know, six XL gloves that he has to wear because his hands are gigantic. Like, believe me, catching... I, I saw I saw the Aaron Murray uh, play, uh, Hale Murray play like three hundred times. So, yeah, I mean, right? we, we all know. You know, and are are there bigger, more physical specimens out there? Yeah, DK Metcalf comes to mind for sure. But DK Metcalf doesn't run the route. I mean, how many times have we see Diggs run routes this year that put cornerbacks on their butt? Like, they, they fall down. They fall down the corners on ice skates and digs. I'm like, my like, Jesus, I'm like, how is digs that wide open? And they show the replay and the corner fell down. And he's just like strolling through the middle of the field without a care in the world. Like we're watching a dude again, you're putting high end elite professional athletes on their ass without touching them. 
Right. That guy, get, I, I understand you get paid millions of dollars to do that to them, but they get paid millions of dollars to have you not do that to them. <laughs> and he, he won that battle all year. Yeah. And like to the point, like you used to, like, you'd see him like look at a, at a corner and like smirk at him and laugh. And like the dude got one play on him early and he looked at him and like gave him the no, no, no finger. And the next play, guess what? You're on your ass. Cause okay. I got, I got to run a little bit better route this time, I guess. Like I was, I took it easy that time. My bad. Right. Right. <laughs> like, the, the play was designed to go to Beasley, so I was jogging, and he threw it to me anyways. All right, now let's roll. Let's go. Right. So, you know, and, and don't don't get it twisted. The Colts are a good football team. You know, they have, obviously, a, a dynamic one-two punch on the ground with Taylor and uh, Naheem Himes, and, Hines. And, you know, <laughs> Rivers is nothing to balk at, but I he doesn't scare me the way he used to. And, you know, again, he couldn't 100% make me eat those words. Um you know, T.Y. Hilton has had a little bit of a, a late renaissance this season and later in the year. Uh, getting Pittman back probably helps. You know, they do have some talented young receivers over there. I, I don't know. I just, I just, I think their defense scares me more than their offense. And I, I don't know how much. I mean, it, I, I don't see this being a defensive slugfest, but at the same time, I don't see like the Colts offense can't keep pace. So they better hope it's a defensive slugfest. I mean, I, I think I agree with you there. I mean, I, I'd be worried if I was, if I told you I wasn't worried about Taylor, um, especially coming up of 260 yards or whatever he had last week. I mean, he ran all over them um, in week 17. So uh, it's, we struggle stopping the run a little bit, but I think if we, if we key on him and our, and our defense focuses on stopping the run, I think we can, um, to your point, Rivers is nothing to balk at, but if you got Trey White, Garden Hilton, and you force him to throw to rookie wide receivers, I, I think I would take that matchup. I think I would say, hey, if you're going to beat us in a playoff game using rookies, go ahead. God bless you. Go, you go for it. You know yeah. what I mean? So we'll see how that works because I don't, I don't trust Michael Michael Pittman or anybody else, any other receiver other than T.Y. Hilton for that matter. Right, and T.Y. Hilton, again, had – a couple like he, I mean, he had some solid years, but he hasn't looked half of that since Andrew Luck. You know, his his best years were when Andrew Luck was healthy. So well, I think he's 30, 31 years old now. Yeah, he's just turned 31. So I mean he's he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's past the age where you would consider a wide receiver to be elite. Um, I also think that Phillip Rivers is gonna have to move a little bit. We have a fast athletic defense. Yes. Um, and Rivers might be the most immobile quarterback other than maybe Big Ben. Big Ben, there was a time that he was able to move. It is not the case anymore. Um, Rivers looks like he's running with cement in his shoes. So I, I think he, if he's got to run and try to make plays like Allen does, he, they're going to struggle. Yeah. I think he's going to have an issue. And, and if you think for two seconds that Dable, or not Dable, but Frazier and, uh, you know, Frazier and McDermott aren't, aren't dialing things up to look again. I, I don't think we showed anything last week. I don't think we showed any twists, any blitzes, any wrinkles. Like I, I think we went and said, we're going to play our straight defense, the same type of defense. I feel like we were calling and running early in the year mm -hmm. and our base off our, our base defense was smothering of Tua. And now Tua is Tua's arm is a little bit more limited than I think Rivers is, a, but Rivers' athletic ability is far more limited. So you know, guess, guess what I don't have to worry about? I don't have to worry about a, a zone read and Rivers tucking the ball and running for 40 yards. Right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. He's just, well, I don't know what the, the anti Lamar Jackson is, but he's the anti Lamar Jackson. Whatever, whatever the hell that means. That, that's what we're yeah, talking. no, that's, that is, he is the anti Lamar. 
Like he's the right. anti Josh Allen. He's the <laughs> anti, you know, like this, this dude's got cement blocks on his feet. So if, you know, you better hope that your offensive line holds up because if they don't, it's going to be a long day. Yep. And don't get me wrong. They do have a good offensive line. That's how you run the ball. Well, is you know, with, with, it begins with the horses up front and I, I don't know, man. I, I don't see, I don't see us running just a straight four man rush. I don't see, like, I see us putting pressure. I see us, especially, you know, I'm looking for a lot of, you know, up the, up the gut pressure to make him move and make him throw in uncomfortable positions. I, I think we can play man against their receivers very well. I don't think we'll have to worry about it. I, it's on top of the fact that our safety tandem is probably the best one in football. Yes. Um, I, I think our secondary is more than capable of handling a couple of rookie receivers in, in, in over the hill T.Y. Hilton. You know what I mean? But Tay, Tay, Taylor's got to be numero uno priority for this Saturday. I think that's uh, – if we stop Taylor, we're going to win the game. If we struggle with Taylor, then it'll be, be an uphill battle. Well, yeah, because, you know, because what's what's going to be – I mean, we, we've seen it for years. What's going to be the MO of beating a high-powered offense? Run the football and don't let Allen on the field. Don't let Allen get in a rhythm. Don't let Allen get in a groove. And go from there. Absolutely. So moving he's to success. <laughs> moving forward here, what's uh what's your take on that game? And what's uh give me give me a score prediction. Oh, um, so naturally I'm taking Buffalo. Um, you learned you learned your lesson early this year. I listen, I had 20 years of Buffalo sports <laughs> going against me. I'm terribly sorry. Um, if I am in my defense, I think I'm I was still the at the time, I think I was still the majority. I thought there were a lot of people not quite sold on them. Um, no, I think the Bills have won. I mean, going back most of the games this year, they've won by by 10 points or more. And a couple, like you said, those last couple of games, they won by 25, 29 points. Um, I'm gonna say say 27, 17. I'm gonna say they win, I'm gonna say they win by 10 again. I'm uh, I'm I'm taking the uh the I'm taking the 17 that you got there, and I'm 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 digging that. Uh I'm going 34 though. I don't think they're holding our offense back. You I really they, they got one more, okay. Yeah, I think that, I think they tack one more on there and go 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 up one. I'll consider that a win. That's that's fine. I'm either one of those things. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the four o'clock game, we got the the Rams heading to Seattle, which would be um, interesting because I hear that uh, Mr. Goff still might not play after that thumb surgery he had. Ooh, that's that's definitely a tough one uh, when you have a business accountant running your offense. <laughs> yeah, Mr. The Wolf of Wall Street. There. Yeah. Yeah. I. That right there tells me that the Seahawks are winning that football game. Um, Considering they, they, they just beat them. And then I think with Jared Goff, they just beat them. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things. You know, and, and that's just one of those things that they have. Uh, you know, I, the Rams have weapons. The Rams have, but, you know, the, the offense runs through your, quarter, through your quarterback. And when you don't have the quarterback you do have when he's healthy is middle of the pack. The quarterback you have currently is a backup, and that automatically puts you behind the eight ball. And the Seahawks defensively have been playing better than they were when the Bills played them. Um, you know, J- Jamal Adams is having a nice little little year in the secondary over there as a pass rusher somehow. Uh, yeah, listen, set the record for safeties and sacks. That's that's pretty legit. Yeah, and I mean that's literally he. You you know you saw him. I believe it. They said it was the Bills game. They said he went to the sideline, looked at his coach, and said like keep blitzing me that's our shot and they did and it worked but not well enough so 
Uh, I think I think the Seahawks take that one, and I don't necessarily think that one's going to be very close. If if it is, it's because that Rams defense plays like they can. Right, out of their mind, right. Hundred percent. You know, you know who I think could be an X factor in that game. Among all, everybody wants to talk about Russ and DK, whatever. I, Chris Carson. I think if they can get their running game going, uh, I think they got a legitimate shot there. Yeah, because I mean, that's you know, you, you talk about the Rams and their their you know their strengths. It's it is that defense right now. And you know, again, how do you how do you take a strong secondary out of the game? Run the football. How do you take a dominant pass rusher mm-hmm. out of the game? Run the football. Yeah, and this 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 is why you know every year you, we talk about it. You know, you talk about the, the team like the Titans who, you know, run the football, play good defense, and they made an AFC championship run last year. So, you know, that's that's definitely a uh, something something to be taken note of. Absolutely. That's the matchup to watch. So uh, then in the nightcap, the, the, we, we, again, we talked about this before we recorded. This is the dumbest scheduling say, don't, don't, I've ever seen. Don't even get me started on the, the primetime nonsense of Tom Brady. This is ridiculous. Like, why do I want to see – the six win Washington, six win or seven win Washington seven, football team. Seven, seven and nine, yeah. Yeah, the seven and nine football team hosting the Bucks. Who did? Do we know what happened to uh, Mike Evans yet? Is he done? It didn't look. I don't good. think so. No. Well, you know what? And I saw that when it happened. I hear that he just he hyperextended his knee a little bit, but he didn't tear anything. But that's what I heard. That he's he might be okay. It's going to be how he progresses this week through practice. But I don't think it required surgery or anything. I think it's just listed as questionable. Uh, looking it up right now. It says op- optimism for Mike Evans is what I'm reading here. He hyperextended his knee. Um, then that was it. But they said he's optimized that there's optimism that he will play this week against. Yeah. The, Redskins. the uh, or not they, the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team. <laughs> you can't say that word. I know. Um, sorry. So uh, Evans and cornerback Carlton Davis were limited in a walkthrough. Um, Bruce Arians cautioned that had the practice been full speed, neither player would have participated. But as of right now, they're crossing their fingers that both will be ready come the weekend. Um, yeah, so not but I mean, severe. The fact that he's walking around practice means he's feeling okay. It's just not great. Yeah. I mean, which means you shouldn't necessarily need him this weekend. But do you want to go into a, a, a do or die without him? Probably not. Um, I mean, Ant- Antonio Brown seemed to pick up the slack just fine last week. I mean, the he sure did, didn't the he? Just rolling last week. Like, there's the Antonio fold. Yeah, and I mean, and, and and why did that seem to work for them? Because you know, Bruce Arians, who loves this deep ball, stretch the field offense, with a quarterback who's not built to do that, was forced to run more underneath routes and stuff like that, and you know, not just throw 20 yard bombs every third play. Right. So it, it, you know, and that, that fits Antonio Brown a little bit better, especially running from a slot or a secondary spot where he can come underneath and then be an athlete with the football in his hands. Yep. What's well, Antonio Brown reminds me a lot of Stefan Diggs, that they yeah. are premier elite route runners in this league and they put defenders on ice skates and they have an understanding of the defense and how they get open. I don't think either one of them have, I mean, they're fast, but not like, not a, not Henry Ruggs speed, not four two seven speed. It's they're they're quick, but they're shifty. They're not overly tall. They're both around six feet tall. It's not they're not six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound receivers like Calvin Johnson was. Yeah, it's just uh, they do their jobs very very well. Yes, um, I don't I don't think anybody would be surprised to see the Buccaneers walk away in that game. Um, 
you know, again, I, I believe Washington's only hope um, would be that that defense stands up and plays well. Um, if there's one thing that we understand about Tom Brady in the playoffs is that the only way to beat him is to get pressure in his face and keep him off balance. And, and, that, for, and that's it. And, that's and, it. And, and not for nothing, but Washington does have that ability. They um, absolutely can do that. That Dayron yeah. Payne and Montez Sweat and Chase Young are as good a defensive front as there is in the playoffs. And Tom Brady might be running a little bit. Yeah, and you know, he if if uh, Philip Rivers has cement issues, Brady has uh, some some decent sized stones. So yeah, right. Yeah, he he's more running in sand. He's not quite as immovable, but you know, yeah. it's not quite the same thing. So uh, I got the uh, I got the Bucks taking that game. Um, I think they, of all the matchups across the board, probably have the, the easiest run in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Seahawks are in contention with that, with the Rams not having their starting quarterback, but you know, beggars can't be choosers because that defense is still pretty stout. I, I think the bucks, I don't think the, the football team's offense is good enough to, to run with the bucks. And I think the bucks offense is high powered enough to subdue a good defense the only X factor there could be potentially weather. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Washington, you mean, might get some snow there. You might get a scoop and score or some sloppy play. So that'll definitely be a, a deciding factor. Yeah. I, I just, I think on paper, I think the bucks take that one personally. No, no, I'm with you. I, as much as I think that Washington does have a chance to win. I'm, I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I'm still going for the bucks. Yeah. I, I, I have a hard time picking a team that was under 500 in the playoffs. So I absolutely agree. I listen, unless you're going to get something ridiculous, like, you know, Gibson's going to do be the new Marshawn Lynch and do this ridiculous 80 yard record earth breaking uh, run at the end of the game to win. Yeah. You know, I firmly and honestly believe that if we were able to have a full capacity stadium this weekend that, you know, and the, and, and there was a Richter scale nearby, cause that's the other <laughs> part of it. Like, Ooh, you, you, your, your crowd registered on a Richter scale, you know, your, your stadium's also designed to reverberate noise. So right. They did that on purpose. And, like, and, Oh, but nobody else has picked up on a Richter scale again, because there's one nearby. That's not our fault. Like, right. You know, I'm, if we I, had one, the falls would keep setting it off. We wouldn't be able to do anything with that. Uh, right. And on top of that, like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that our snow measurements don't register noise. I, what do you want? Jerks. They suck. Putting the Seahawks Richter scale crap on the suck list. First suck list of 2021. The Seahawks Ooh, Richter jumping scale. In. Jumping in with two feet. Oh, diving in head first. I don't give a shit. It's a shallow pool. Be careful. <sighs> Wouldn't be the first time. I get it. Been there. All right. So what's your what's your prediction? What's the score prediction there for that game? Ooh, that one I'm gonna go 27 to 9. See, like and I, and I was thinking a little bit more than that. I was gonna go like 34, 10. I was thinking some of the I, I swear to God, I was thinking the same exact thing. Yeah. The uh, the first game on Sunday is, should be interesting because uh, this is I don't the Ravens at the Titans. I mean the Ravens look really good against bad football teams. The Titans look really good against good football teams and not so good against average football teams. I don't really know what's going on with either one of these squads. Um, you know. Lamar looked like he could throw the football last week, but it was against the Bengals. So, I mean, I feel like I could throw the football against the Bengals. Most people can. That's um, a very long list. You know, I, the, I, the Titans MO is going to be their Titans playoff MO as it always is, you know, run the football, play good defense and Tannehill can make 
you know, Tannehill makes plays when Tannehill has to make plays. AJ Brown over there helps a lot. Oh, sure. I mean, that play, I mean, I jumped out of my seat last week during that game. That was incredible, that finish of that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, 18 seconds, they're going to run the ball once, and that's going to be the end of this game. No, we're going to chuck it downfield for 50 yards, and he's somehow going to catch it, and then you're going to hit the inside of the upright of the game-winning field goal. Like, I don't I don't care who won that game, but I was having heart palpitations just watching it. it yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I, I don't I don't think the Ravens won a playoff game. I, I don't. I don't think I think the Titans defense can handle that running game. And I think the Titans are gonna try to get an early lead and make Lamar play quarterback. Which again, that's the MO. Like if, if I'm the Titans, I want the ball first. Right. I want I want play you up to, and deal with it. Yeah, I want you to chase me from jump street. Yep. I mean, if, if you told me that Derrick Henry had 35 to 40 carries in that game, I go, yeah, all right. Yeah. I get it. Understood. Seems like a very normal thing to have happen. Yeah. And I mean, that's like I said, I, I think you see the Titans put the pedal to the metal from jump street to try to, again, get a lead and run with the lead because uh, Mr. Mr. Lamar is, has one of the most obnoxious stat lines of like one and 19 when le- when losing after the first quarter. Has he lost that many games? Uh, I I can tell you the stat was one in 14 earlier this year. Hold on. I gotcha. Google machine. Yep. So, I mean, that's bottom bottom line, the fact that you're one in anything larger than five when losing after the first quarter is not a good stat line to have. Nope, I agree with you. Mm And really, from what from what I'm reading here, that looks like you know Derrick Henry has been uh, a Ravens menace uh, most of his career. And it's, I mean, it's they, they struggle. To, I mean, everybody struggles to stop him, but Baltimore specifically struggles to stop, him and he just runs them down. It's yeah, I mean, that's that's in the Titans' mo. Like, I mean, he he is a second half monster. Um, you know, he's that dude that you know you're you're keeping contained for two quarters. You go into half and. You know, midway through the third, he just breaks one and breaks one and breaks one. And all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? Well, that's what it is. I mean, I don't want to tackle him when I'm fresh, let alone when I'm half tight, like I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? It's like every bone in my body is aching and he's just slamming into me at 255 pounds. I'm like, you hard, hard pass, hard pass. So I believe that stat may have included college as well because he is 30 and seven in the NFL. Um, But the number was definitely. I've, I've quoted it a few times on the show. It's, it, it was one in 14 or 15 at the time when losing after the first quarter. Um, and again, that, that to me is just a testament to the fact that you don't throw the football well, because you can't come back on, by running the football. You know, unless, unless you're breaking monster runs on every, on, you know, every, like four play drive, 68 yards all on the ground. Like that's, that's the only way you run a comeback with running the football. At some point, you have to put the ball in the air, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's okay. We'll play back. We'll let you run, and thank you for milking the clock for us. If right. I'm beating you, so that's nope. uh, should be a great game, though. It should be a great game. I I don't think the Ravens can win a football game right now, and I, I don't. I I see Lamar going 0 for three in the playoffs. I can very easily see that happening as well. The Titans have the blueprint to beat them. 
if they want to keep them on the sidelines, smoke the clock, make them stop the run and go with it that way. You know, and I, I've said it a few times on the show, you know, the, when you're, when your off season acquisitions and your trade line acquisitions are to boost your already stout defense, you're telling me that I need to stop other people. Not that I can score enough. Like I, we're good. We can score points. Like let's get another weapon to score more points. Like your answer is I need you not to score if I want to win. And right. that, that to me speaks volumes of your, your view of your offense with the currently reigning MVP. Yep. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, Cause I, I'm with you on that one. I don't, I don't think he throws the ball particularly well. Um, you know, he gets in the red zone and they do some sort of read option RPO uh, end around jet sweep, every trick play in the book and somebody blows a coverage and he, most of his touchdown passes are not highly contested backdoor accurate throw things. It's, Oh, somebody forgot to cover Mark Andrew on that fake run and he was wide open. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't, that's, that's, that to me is not going to fly because every team you see in the playoffs is going to have a halfway decent defense. Yeah. Like, and, and that, that I think is a, like the biggest testament to why he's currently Owen two is you know, you look at his games last year, his best statistical games have like, he hasn't had a good stat game against a good defense his entire career. I actually took the time the one day I was bored at work. I had access to a computer for about 16 hours and I looked up his game <laughs> and I, I, I looked up the game logs and stuff. And for the life of me, I can't find the piece of paper I wrote the stuff down on, but he is like a top, a top eight in completions and percentage and like top two in touchdowns and yardage against teams under like like 16 and down defensively and he's like 29 against anybody 15 and up so like you go against the bills and 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 throw one touchdown and 140 yards but then you throw for 390 and five against the Dolphins defense last week and last year in week one, when that defense was awful. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's ironic is that the quarterback and the other side of that, that pairing in this game, people had the same knock on Tannehill last year. Yeah. He, he, he won what he, whatever he won the wildcard game by going 11 for 16 for 91 yards. Oh, good. I'm glad you could turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry over and over and over. Like people go, you'll never win with Tannehill. He can't pass the ball. Like, and now he's got 30 touchdown passes this year. He's doing just fine. Yeah. And I mean, and that, that, but that's a testament to a dude. I mean, you're, I don't think he was do was, was done any justice in Miami with, you know, the offenses he went through up there, like the lack of weaponry he had up there. And again, I mean, he, his two receivers don't suck. Like his top two guys over there in Tennessee don't suck. And everything you do when you like, if, if Derek Henry weren't to play, I would be intrigued to see how Tannehill would handle an offense. Right. Like if Derek Henry is not back there, how does Tannehill do? Because, you know, has made some fantastic throws, made, made some great plays when he's needed to. It, it, there's something to be said about having to account for Derek Henry. I listen. I mean, he's, I mean, he actually, Kind of not a hundred percent, but it reminds me of Josh Allen a little bit. Tanhill, that is. Yeah. I mean, the th- th- thirty-eight hundred yards, thirty-three touchdown passes, forty-three, two hundred and sixty-six yards, and seven more touchdowns. Tannehill has forty combined touchdowns in the season. 
Yeah. Now, does, does Derrick Henry make that? Yes, he does make that easier. But, I mean, I'm not going to also be like, well, yeah, Derrick Henry's the sole reason you have 40 touchdowns on the season. That can't be. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, if you if you look at some of his rushing touchdowns through the year, like, a lot of them come on those read option type plays that you're not – that he's not known for. But they take advantage of teams over-pursuing to Derrick Henry – and oh look, there's a 30 yard lane to the end zone with nobody yeah. near me. Like nobody home, you know. So yes, Derrick Henry does absolutely make that easier. So at, at least on the rushing ones, maybe not on the 33 passing touchdowns. Yes, but uh, you know, again, play action passing has to play a factor in that too. Agreed. So, 100 you know, agreed. Oh shit, I got. I better start downhill now because Henry's getting the football. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I, I listen. I mean, make 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 no mistake. The the Ravens are sitting around right now in their quarterback rooms and and they're all their individual rooms going. How do we stop Derrick Henry? No one's talking about how do we slow down Tannehill. He's gonna nope. Kill us. That's not nobody's saying that at all. Nope. And like I said, if I'm the Titans, I am coming out. I am running. I'm probably trying because knowing me and my cocky ass, I am trying a deep shot play action pass on play one to set a tone. Yeah, just hit AJ Brown going on the sideline. I want I want your defensive front seven on its heels because they are very good and they are very talented. I want them on their heels that they can't just pin their ears back and key on Derrick Henry. I want your secondary on its heels, not being able to just come downhill on Derrick Henry because I threw one pass for 75 yards and a touchdown on, on play one. And now you have to chase me. Right. I accomplish, I think, 90% of what I need to do to win this football game on that play. And that's me. That's like, I mean, that's, I, I want to come out. I want to punch you in the mouth and set a tone. I want you second guessing everything you talked about all week long. 100%. If I can keep you on your heels, that, that's the way to win. Yeah. I, uh, I'm taking a Titans W here and I'm taking it 28-17. I think this this game could get ridiculous. I think this game could get ridiculous. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 34-31. Ten, I, uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I'm definitely excited for this one. Just because. I, I think of it, all the games we've talked about, other than the Bills game, I think that would be the one I'd be most excited to watch. I see I'm torn between that one and the, and the Sunday night cap, but you know, we're going to move on to the four o'clock game here on Sunday, the saints and the bears. I think the saints absolutely torch the bears. I don't think the, I think the bears defense is the only shot they have. Um, the saints defense has very quietly played really well this year. Fantastically. And I, yep. And I, I don't think Mitch Trubisky again. I, so what the bears, the bears option here is to play, really, really stout defense and stuff the ball to Montgomery. I mean, that that's part of it. I mean, th- there's a, there's a roadmap there. there. There's a win in there for Chicago. I mean, yeah. that's true for every team, but like you said, I, I just, I don't see that as a high likelihood of something that happens. I think that it could be a defensive slugfest, but eventually Taysom Hill, some, somebody's going to break that play and, and just take off and it's going to be off your road. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting this one on the blowout board. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to text everybody after we hang up with this or sometime tomorrow and tell me to give you a, give me a lock of the week with a score. I'm taking, I'm going 43 to 
43-13 Saints. Oh, boy, you are going way up there. Yeah, I'm blowing this out. The Saints blow the Bears out. The, ba- the, the Saints blow the Bears out the way I want to blow the Colts out. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I could see that happening. I think that's probably more, more likely to happen than, than not. That I, I mean, I, if, you, if you told me that it was, it was, I don't know, 38-21, I would also say that was legit that, that the Bears scored at least a little bit. That yeah, Allen, that's, Allen, Allen Robinson got loose and scored. You know what I mean? Some that, that's that's a, that's a scum time touchdown. You know, you're maybe maybe you don't have your starters in the whole game because it's over, and right. Mitch Trubisky's playing for his life. I I don't know, maybe or maybe big big Dick Nick comes in and puts a drive together at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, right, exactly. I I don't <laughs> think this one's close. I think the Saints roll and let's move on because this is the one I want to talk about. Not only is it the third time they see each other, it's the second time in two weeks. It's a divisional matchup on Sunday night football. And there's history of a dude bashing someone with a helmet from last year. I mean, they did just play each other and nothing really came of it, but right. But the Steelers were sitting people. No, no, for sure. For sure. And, and, and the Browns had to fight to win that one. I was just gonna say they only won by two points. Like the Pittsburgh almost won with their backups. Yeah. The Pittsburgh almost won with their matchups. Like you got to know that the Browns were playing for their lives. So what better scouting report is there than on one end, you have the Steelers who got to watch an entire football game against me when you had to win to play tomorrow. And if on the Browns, what better scouting report is there than this is what we did this is what worked. This is what didn't. Oh, and now we have tape on other things. So now we can add wrinkles to it. This game is going to be awesome. Because I don't think either team is really that good. But <laughs> neither, I, neither do I. This is, this is a bottom feeder game. But at the same token, when you have a divisional matchup, and I, there's a, uh, the winner of this game. I believe is lined up to play. Pretty sure the winner of this game is lined up to play the Chiefs. Or do 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 they reseed? Does it go highest remaining, lowest remaining? I mean, it'll it'll be interesting. It's you know you you were saying that, and I was just thinking about these are the two primetime games we got. Like these, these, these were the ones like all the great football that we talked about. And we get Washington and the Bucks and Browns and Pittsburgh in our primetime games at night. Yeah. Okay. You need to go away. I don't need to hear about your clogging problem. <laughs> I, sorry, I was looking something up and an ad started playing. And so it was in my oh, no, ear. I've, I I've, I've heard that one. I was, I'm like, what is that? I thought like Nicole was trying to talk to me. So I'm, I'm looking around my basement going, what in the hell? Yeah, so you got the uh, the reverb out of my out of my headset here, but uh, yeah, I listen. I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be a slugfest, but I think it's going to be an ugly slugfest. You know, I think you're going to see the Packers, Packers, Jesus. You're going to see the Steelers <laughs> play. They all wear yellow. Who cares? Cheese um, heads. You know, I, I think you're going to see the Steelers defense make Baker try to throw the football. Um, I think you're going to see. Big Ben have to throw further than 10, you know, than 10 feet downfield. I don't know. I, it's, it's going to be ugly, but it's going to be a slugfest. These two teams are going to tee off on each other. And I think it's going to make whoever they play next week. Um, 
kind of have a little bit of an easy game. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I mean, the interesting thing is that the Browns actually run the football very, very well. Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe the, I mean, I don't want to say the best running team because obviously, you know, Lamar, but uh, they run the ball very, very well with Chubb and Hunts and Pittsburgh doesn't run the ball well at all. The, the days of the Pittsburgh Steelers being a Jerome Bettis pound the ball or Livion Bell for that matter, run the ball first and play great defense are over. Like they are wholeheartedly relying on 38 year old big Ben and three good receivers to, to win their football games. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I don't, I don't know how much I like those odds. I'm being honest with you. Know what I, mean? it's, I, but you know, at the same time, they, they beat the Browns once they almost beat them again with their backups. Like I, this is one of those ones, you know, it, it's been said for a long time. The easiest way to make the playoffs is to, is to win your division. And how do you win your division by beat your division opponents? Like you have to match up well against them. And I just think the Steelers match up well against the Browns. And I don't know why, because I don't think the Steelers are that good, but they, I mean, they damn near dominated that division. Like, you, you know why I'm going to give the edge to, Pitt, to Pittsburgh in this specific situation? It, honestly, it has nothing to do with what's on the field, but what's off the field. I think Mike Tomlin has the experience as far as the coaching staff goes, that he will have them well-prepared. Ben Roethlisberger has been there many times before, but that experience is going to be what helps them win this game, not not necessarily talent. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um. <laughs> You know, I, I always do enjoy seeing the Browns be the Browns. Cause so I mean and this this could very much be like a Browns be the Browns. You know, they they break the playoff drought, they they get there and then they lay an egg. You know, we we could very easily see Baker being Baker, Browns being the Browns, and having to go home to the factory of sadness after dropping a you know a, a twenty-seven to or, or thirty-one to, to six game here. I don't think that's gonna be the way it goes. I think this game's gonna be tight. But that could be very well what happens because they're the Browns. They are the Browns. That is well said. They are, in fact, the Browns. So what do you got here, bud? Give me a score. Give me a prediction. Oh, my. So, no, I'm definitely taking Pittsburgh. Um, I'm thinking this game will be another close one. I'm going to say 28-24 Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was thinking 24-27. So we're, we're in the same ballpark there. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we're, I think we're on a good – Good page there, good clip there. So this was uh this is exciting. Playoff football. One of my like I love playoff sports as a whole. Playoff hockey and playoff baseball are on a different level to me, but the intrigue across the board in the NFL because of the parody is so so good. It's like a drug and I need more. Yep. I'm with you, man. I'm super excited. I love that they put it over two days. I have all day football Saturday, all day football Sunday. Good weekend. Yeah, I am. I am dis- That's a W. I am displeased that I have to watch the start of the Bills game from my in place of employment that shall go unnamed. But uh, <laughs> I will be leaving as soon as humanly possible and flying to uh, the Yelich family compound to hopefully observe the tail end of a Bills win and maybe have a celebratory shot or nine. So. Hopefully that's what's happening. Hopefully I'm not leaving the jail to, to watch a Bill's loss, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's going to be either way. It's going to be a good weekend. Hopefully it's a great weekend with a Bill's win. And I am looking forward to all of it. Yep. Nope. Me too, man. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend of football and I look forward to uh, talking to you about this in a couple of weeks again. 
Yeah, buddy. Hopefully, uh, maybe maybe we'll find a way to get you know get the whole crew together for a super show for the Super Bowl. As we should. I think that's a good idea. I was going to say, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be the only one out here before the Super Bowl. It should be everybody. Yeah, yeah. We should, we'll try to get everybody locked in, and uh, you know, we'll see if we can meet up somewhere. If you guys want to come here, or we'll, uh, you know, maybe we'll head to the precinct. We'll see what Matt's up to. See if right. we can get him on too. Okay, guest spot. Let's do it. Yeah, buddy. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for joining me. And, uh, you know, as always go bills and we will see you guys next week. Yes, sir.